Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, New Testament. Acts chapter number 27, one of our folks, if you see someone without a Bible or a new person trying to learn their Bible, perhaps you can scoot over next to them and share what you have with them. That would be appreciated, okay? Acts chapter number 27. We'll begin at verse number 9. I will read out loud. You follow along with me silently, as is our custom here at Tanker Baptist Church. And uh, we'll read this together. Acts 27, starting in verse number 9. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage but not, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken, of, spoken by Paul. Verse 12, And because the haven was not commodious to winter, in, to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also. If by any means they might attain to Phoenicia, they uh, and 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 there to winter, which is a haven of Crete and lieth towards the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing they have attained their purpose, loosing from thence they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon, and when the ship was caught, it could not bear up into the wind, and they let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, and which when, when we had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strake sail, and so, and were driven. And we being exceeding tossed with tempest, with a tempest, the next day, they lightened the ship, and on the third day cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and there was no, no small tempest lay upon us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Verse 21, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have, list, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. Our text verse be verse number 21. Let me read that again. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and have gained this harm and loss. Father, thank you for the Bible. Please teach us the lessons that you would have us to learn. This is not just a story about some guy or people that were on a boat and, and they ran into some problems. This is for us. So I pray that every one of us will listen intently, that we would draw from it everything that God would have us to draw from it. Help us not to read into the scripture, but just let the scripture read to us what we need to have. Thank you for these dear people. Work on hearts and lives today, and we'll give you all the praise for it, for you are certainly worthy of it all. We say these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated.
like a blind man. I was stumbling down life's road. Then one day I heard Jesus passing by, knowing he Desperation reaching out to him, I cry. Mercy River, flow through me, wash away all my sin.
open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter number 27. Acts chapter number 27. Acts chapter number 27, and read verse number 21. Listen very carefully, please. Acts chapter 27, verse 21. But after long abstinence, abstinence is a refraining uh, from any action. It, it, it means to forbear uh, any action. Uh, and so watch what he says. But after long refraining, if you would, after long forbearing, if you would, of any kind of action, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, this is a statement every preacher wishes they could say all the time. You should have listened to me. Hearken means listen for those of you who went to public school. Now, so, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Have you ever looked around and asked yourself, how in the world did I get in this mess? Okay, I've looked around. Okay, no, you haven't. You've never seemed to have any problems. I'm the one who has all the problems. Have you ever asked yourself, how in the world did I end up like this? I've heard people say, Pastor, I don't know how it happened. It just seemed to happen. I just turned around and look at this mess. Now, first of all, it didn't just happen. But I have to admit, there are times when I'm thinking to myself, how in the world did this happen to me? How did I get into this storm? How did I get into this mess? It seemed to just come upon me somehow. There are three types of storms, I think, in the Bible that talks about. One of them is the kind that I cause. One of them is the kind that God allows. And one of them is the kind that others get me into. Now, see, I said the one I get myself in, and you didn't amen, you didn't giggle. See, everybody else is always getting you into problems, aren't they? Example, the kind that God allows would be like Job. Job was doing everything right. I mean, the Bible, even God said so. I mean, he, he eschewed evil. I mean, he, he gave sacrifice for his kids. He prayed for them. He helped old people. He helped young people. He helped everybody coming and going. But the day he greatly feared came upon him. He knew that. He didn't know what was going on in heaven in this conversation. But God allowed trouble to come into Job. A storm, if you would. We come to find out also that in Job, the disciples on the sea, Jesus said, I'm going to go up in the mountain and pray. You guys go across the sea. I'll meet you over there. He sent them that direction. And sure enough, a storm happened. See, this is what Christians today don't like. If I'm living for Jesus, why'd this storm come to my life? Okay, read the story. You'll find out why. Amen. It was to build their faith to trust Jesus, Amen. which even when they saw him, they had a real tough time doing that, but they had to learn nevertheless. So we find out the disciples on the sea, seafaring sea men, crossing, obeying the Lord. Are you listening to me? Oh, look at me, Christian. Obeying the Lord doing what Jesus told them to do. Are you ready for this new, new zero generation? Are you listening to me? Troubles came into their life obeying Jesus. Then we have the kind that others put me into. For example, Achan. In the Old Testament, there's a guy whose name was Achan, which is really weird, I know, because by the time it was done, boy, was he Achan. And uh, spelled different, but anyway. Uh, what he did, he did something, put his whole family in bad jeopardy and also an entire nation. Are you listening to me? 
So we come to find out there are troubles that others put us into. Israel got into trouble. They lost their first battle in the new land. Uh, they lost 36 men that day uh, because one man decided, one man, well, I'm just one guy, it doesn't matter. You better be careful about that. In a local church, you are part of the body. Now, because you're not the head, I don't need little inch-high private eyes running around squealing on everybody. Uh, I'll figure it out. You let God's word take care of things. We'll be okay, all right? So what we have here, then there's the kind that we call ourselves. Now, this is the kind I'm going to talk to mostly this morning because these are the ones that we have say-so in. These are the ones that in our life are preventable. No matter which of these you're in, though, let me say this. Jesus will never leave you and never forsake you. Doesn't make any difference if others cause it. Doesn't make any difference if God allows it. Doesn't make any difference if you cause it. Now, don't take that as a free pass. I'm just telling you, God has sealed himself in you and said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. I'll go with thee always, even to the end of the world. You are sealed by the Holy Ghost of God until the day of redemption. God, by his word, said, I'll never leave you. Now, to me, the sad part about that is, look at me and listen to me. When you decide to do things you want to do, he has to go with you. It's not like, oh, they're doing something wrong. I'm going to have to get out of here. Maybe I'll go back later. No, no. God made a promise that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, not the ghost, the Holy Ghost. You understand that? The Holy Father, the Holy Ghost. You got that part? Be ye holy for I am holy. That's what God said. So when you decide to go off and do your rebellious, sinful, whatever, please understand, he has to go with you. This is why right after all the excitement, you feel so grieved. The very person that's supposed to be leading and guiding and directing you according to truth, you just told him, if you would, to hang it. I'm going to do what I want. And then right after you get through that excitement, you feel real guilty. You feel grieved. Well, you just went against and took the Holy Ghost of God with you to do something, to look at something, to act in a way that he did not want to have anything to do with. He said, well, that's his problem. No, it's your problem. So what we have here is this. When others get you into storms, Jesus did not leave you. When God allows things in your life, Jesus did not leave you. And when you do and pull dumb stunts, things you know you should not be doing, Preach, I couldn't help myself. Well, we'll talk about that in the Bible later on. We find ourselves in storms. Jesus did not leave you. The Bible said, I will never, never. You're sealed until the day of redemption. God is not going to leave you because you did something dumb. Now, listen to me. Don't take that as, okay, well, if he's never leaving me, what difference does it make? You don't know much about the Bible, do you? Some of the common reasons we sail into storm, look in Acts chapter 27, verse number 10 and 11. We take wrong advice from the so-called experts. We take wrong advice from the so-called experts. Look at verse number 10 and verse number 11 of chapter 27. And he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage, now this is the apostle Paul talking, he's just a preacher though, you understand. Voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only to the lading of the ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Today's society, we put more stock in someone with a degree than someone who knows their Bible. We, have, we tend to listen more to someone who has written a book than someone who knows God's book and what God has to say about it. 
You see, for those of you that have gotten caught up in the charismatic movement, I don't need word of knowledge. I have all the words of knowledge. I don't need to do that thing. Today, more people people believe a man. When, when someone refers to themselves as a specialist or an expert, we tend to listen to them and follow their advice, even if it goes against the word of God. Now, let me just clear the air here a minute. How many of you claim to be a born-again Christian? Keep them up. Don't be ashamed. Oh, I'm not sure. Well, everybody is. I guess I didn't care. That's not the way it works, okay? Listen to me very carefully. Your father is God Almighty. This is his word to his children. Just like a dad should be able to talk to his kids and say, kids, I don't, I don't want you doing that. That should sell it right there. That should sell it right there. No begging, no 45 choices, just this is what daddy wants, this is what you need to do. However, if you train up a child in the way it should go, it makes it a whole lot easier on down the road. I'll just throw that in also. So what happens here is today someone is referred to as a specialist or someone as an expert, and no matter, they can be contrary. And look, I know the Bible says this, but I've been taught in school. We go, oh, okay, and we start following. The Bible said, turn to Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1. Right in the middle of your Bible should be the book of Psalms. Huge book in the middle of the Bible. Find chapter number one. Now, God does not make these suggestions. God is telling you what he wants and what's best for you and him. And in Psalm chapter number one, look at verse number one. Are you there? Say yes. Okay, good. Look what it says. Blessed is the man. I want to be a blessed man, don't you? I don't want to be a cursed guy. I don't want to run into a lot of problems if I don't have to. So God, talking to his children, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor setteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate both day and night. So he says, first of all, right off, you're not supposed to be taking advice from ungodly people. Now, an ungodly person is a person who's not living godly and also a person who does not have God in their life. Christian or not, if you're living like a heathen, you're living like like the world does, I shouldn't be listening to you. Your mind is dark. You're very carnal. You're not understanding what God wants. I should not be listening to a backslidden Christian, whether they're family member or not. Nor should I listen to the expert who does not know God. You said, but he's really smart in that area. Okay, has to do with plumbing. I'd probably listen to him. Electric, listen to him comes to raising children, nobody's raised more children than God. When it comes to marriage, nobody, God invented marriage. Well, here's what I think. I hate to put it this way. I really don't care. What difference does it make what you think compared to what God says? Those two really loud people, they love the Lord. She has, she has been near death for probably two or three years. And now has got a new kidney. Praise the Lord. Dancing in the spirit. Watch me. Praising the Lord. Amen. Love you. Okay. We get ourselves into many unnecessary, unnecessary problems when we listen to the so-called experts instead of the preacher using the word of God that God gave you. Now, I know you have got a preacher friend that lives in New York or maybe South Carolina. You went to college with him. You you, you stay in touch with him. I'm sorry, that's not your pastor. There is not, T.D. Jakes is not America's pastor. 
Now, hold on. Neither am I. God gave me this talk. Evidently, it's all I can handle. And God told me, you're his people. I am the under-shepherd. I am supposed to watch over. I am the overseer of people's life. Therefore, whenever you disagree, you say, well, I just don't believe it that way and do what you want. That's why you ended up in storms instead of doing what God said to do. For example, we get ourselves into marital storms. Under your seat, if you reach winter, there are seat belts. You want to click that on right now before I blow you out of the seat. I know what liberals teach. I know what experts teach. And I'm going to show you something here. The preacher says, by God's word, wives... Can I, go, can I go on with this? Ladies, can I go? Okay, all right. Wives, stay home. Wow, that got quiet. Did you hear that? Man, submit to your own husband. Ma'am, you're starting to sweat. It teaches. The Bible does. The preacher who knows something about God's word Watch over your own home and your children and love your husband. That would be a full-time job. Hold on, fellas. You ready for this? You ready? I know you're Mr. Cool, Mr. Macho. Boy, I mean, come on, what's not the love, right? I understand. Been there and done that. Husbands, lead your family in the way they ought to go first priority. Adam walked with God and was supposed to help Eve and then the family that they were supposed to have in the garden towards the Lord. The second thing he was supposed to do was love his wife. Your children do not come first. Ma'am, listen to me. Look at me. Look at me. Your children do not come before your husband. I just want to see who I'm talking to. You writing this down? You just got engaged. We'll, We'll talk about that later. Now, most women tend to turn their full attention to children Why didn't you marry your children? Because they didn't come first. Your husband did. So what do we have here? The husband also is supposed to protect and provide. And husbands, love your wives. You get so caught up in work and so caught up in the things you like to do. You know, you like to you, you like to start businesses and go hunting and fishing and, and trapping and, and shooting things and, and, and playing football and sports. And, and I'm hitting everything, right, so far? I'm not necessarily against that, but at the cost of what? Many sail on. The, okay, the, the, the experts... Well, see, I don't, I don't, I don't think that works anymore. I think what you need really are two incomes to live at a decent level. I, I think this whole thing of understanding it ought to be fifty-fifty. I'm getting ready, spiritual dancing. There is no fifty-fifty, sir. Can I tell you why? There's nothing wrong with her input. Nothing wrong with that at all. I can show you, and I taught in the Bible during our marriage conference, there are times you should listen to your wife and times you should not listen to your wife. Most men have no idea which time to do what. They go, yeah, I don't know, so I guess not my fault. Oh, no, 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 you'll still answer for it. 
When you get to heaven, stand before God, you're going to answer for your family, sir. So I would suggest you start learning what God wants you to do and start doing that. Okay, so we'll just leave it right there for a little while. Many people sell right on their advice, these these so-called experts, against the word of God and against God's man. Okay, I'm standing here right now telling you, and I can show you how the Bible says this is what's right. I just told you about it. And in your head and heart right now, I don't care what he says. I don't care. I don't care. You know, that didn't used to happen. Isn't that, isn't that awful? You used to be like that. You used to be like that guy right there. Thank the Lord I'm not like that anymore. Okay. Um, many sell right on. See, we listen to the child experts more than what the preacher told you God teaches about. We do the same thing with financial experts. And Bible, oh, we have Bible experts everywhere now. Oh, yeah, Bible experts. They're all over TV, radio. YouTube, my tube, our tube, they're everywhere. Anytime you don't believe me, go find somebody that believes what you believe. Does that shock you that not everybody agrees with me? Preacher, you know some people don't agree. What? Well, let's put it this way. All the smart people do. We have business experts, church building experts, psychologist experts, had a lady who was actually had a, I think, a master's degree in psychology. For some reason, decided to stop in here one day. When I was done, she said, "Can I talk with you?" I said, "Yes, ma'am." She said, uh, "Where'd you go to school?" Montreal. I said, "Temple." Said, now they think when you say that they, you mean Temple, like the worldly Temple School, which didn't start off that way, by the way. And I said, "No, at Tennessee Temple University down in Chattanooga." Oh, did you take psychology? I said, "No, ma'am." How did you learn how people think and behave? God created. He knows. All you have to do is read and begin to watch and apply those things together, and God can begin to teach you about these things. God, you see, gave every New Testament church, every New Testament church a pastor, not multiple pastors. Not I go to Columbus, Ohio, but I have a pastor in Florida. I have a pastor in New York. I have a pastor in California. And when our preacher disagrees, I call them and ask them, do, do we go along with this? How many, how many homes do your children have? Mom, I heard what you had to say. I would never say this to you if I were you. Uh, I, I just, you know, it's not enough freedom. I got a friend lives down the street. Mom, he agrees with me. I'm going to go down and live with his mom and dad for a while. And your mom and dad will say, it's your choice. God bless you, son. I can't make you do anything. Somehow I can't imagine your dad going along with that. I don't even know him very well, but I just don't see that happening. See, God gave every New Testament Bible-believing church a preacher, a pastor, a pastor. He gave that pastor his word called the King James Bible. It, it is not what we use here. It is not what we prefer here. It is not just a book here. It is God's word. That's why we use the King James Bible. Every, All the principles and truths are what we're supposed to live by. Quit looking for just commandments. 
Where does it say I can't drink light beer from Miller? Well, look, dummy. It, I'm sorry. Believing dummy. The Bible doesn't, they didn't make beer back then. Show me where I can't smoke camel cigarettes. Well, I can show you where a lady lit off her camel. That means she got off of it, okay? And you ought to get off cigarettes too, by the way. See how I did that? See how I meant? Okay, yeah, you go. God put you here because this is where you need to be. You're not, I'm not the one on trial here. That's like the mailman coming by and giving you a water bill. Hey, hey, hey! Just, hey, mailman, come back here. I want you to know, I don't like how much is on here. You need to do something. You know what the mailman's going to say? I, I just delivered the mail. I didn't make it. He's not going to take your argument somewhere else. He's not going to fuss with you. He's saying, I'm just delivering the mail. What you do with it, uh, by the way, by the way, you don't pay for it, they will turn off your water. You want to see God turn off the blessings in your life? Just willingly let him know, I'm not doing this. So, the apostle Paul was not a sailor, and yet he looked at this ship with the owner and also the captain and said, I don't think we ought to be doing this. Were you some kind of an expert uh, uh, sailor or something? No, Paul wasn't a sailor at all. He wasn't. And yet he gave his advice. And what did he say? They should have listened to him. Oh, yes, they should have. Well, after the fact, how were we supposed to know? That's why God ahead of time gives you his word and gives you a preacher. But you see, you skip every other service. You're not here half the time. And some of the things that you hear, you don't abide by, you don't believe, so you do your own thing, and you will not believe what happens sooner or later. Preacher, I got a problem. I didn't know it was going to do this. Sure you did. I preached on it. Sure you did. Do you know most divorces take place within the first five years of marriage? Did you know that? Do you know who they remarry? Somebody they work with. Just imagine, ma'am, I understand. My mom was divorced. She had to work. She worked two jobs most of her life, so don't look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. I do. Most divorces, probably the majority of them are not Bible-based anyway. Please understand me. I'm not upset with you. We have divorced people all over here and remarried. I got that. But we also have a generation coming up that needs to hear the truth. Amen. Several generations ago, there was a... <laughs> an expert child behaviorist, psychologist, Dr. Benjamin Spock. Ever heard of the guy? Not, not, not this guy, but, but the, the doctor guy. Spock, I saw him on TV. No, you didn't. He came out with a book and traveled everywhere telling people that chastising, spanking, spanking, spanking. You remember spanking? Yeah, my parents did. They whooped you. They never remember spanking. They whooped you. And probably the wrong way, too. We'll talk about that another day. But we decided, because we didn't like it when we were little, we're not going to do that with our kids. And guess what? Dr. Benjamin Spock, he said what you need to do, you ready for this, is give children choices and reason with them. Because you see, when you chastise them, they're little and they don't like it. Who does? I used to tell my dad all the time, Dad, can I have one more spanking, please? 
I just, you know, I really want to behave, and that's always helped me, so go ahead, Dad, let me have it. Nobody does that. Hebrews said, no chastening for the present seeming to be joyous. But if you yield to it, it bringeth forth the peaceful. How many parents would love their kids just to shut up in the house? <laughs> Honey, mommy's going to give you several choices now. I used to give my children choices. One, two, or three whacks. Now you're looking, and you're, mom, your heart's racing. No, he doesn't mean that. Oh, yes, I do mean that. You don't know your Bible. You do not know your Bible. Now, if you just raised your hand and said, I belong to God. God, your father, told his children, this is what I want. And the children you have are not yours. They do not, they are not wards of the state, though that's what they say. They belong to God. They are an heritage of the Lord. They belong to him. You're supposed to be raising those children to live for him, not to fulfill the dreams you were never able to accomplish. Benjamin Spock. Said the majority of children, and by the way, look what happened. Now look at the mess we're in. Uncontrollable brats running everywhere. And you get upset, man. Hey, 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 get off that platform. Get... Preacher, they're children. They don't understand. I know, that's why I'm talking to the parents. I know children don't understand. I, that's why I talk to the parents. Excuse me, don't, don't let your kids get up there. You set kids down. First place, has you ever wondered why the first place they want to go to is up there? You ever wonder why Eve, with all the fruit and the animals and, and everything that was, why she went in that direction? How's the devil? No, she decided. She desired. She took. That's what she did. We always want to do what we're not allowed to do. And God said, okay, this is what I want you to do and not to do, and we don't pay much attention to God. And so what happens? We've got these storms going on in our homes everywhere. And so a lot of the parents, you know what we decided to do? We're just going to go to work. After that, we're going to get drunk. We're going to watch TV till we can't see straight and let the kid. Hey, it's your choice. I've knocked on doors and grown people who know what church should be, rode one of our buses when they were a lot younger and would tell me, preacher, those were good days. I enjoyed it. I said, okay, all right, where are you going to church? I don't go to church right now. Is this your daughter? Yeah. How old is she? Oh, she's six. Maybe she'd like to come to church. Preacher, I don't tell my kids what to do. I let them make up their own choice. You mean about where to go to church and religion? You, you leave it up to them whether they're ever going to take a bath or not? No. Do you leave it up to them if they're going to go to school or not? No. Do you leave it up to them when the time to go to bed or not? No. But somehow you think it's real wise because that's what the experts have told you, not to brainwash. Every child needs their brain washed. Because of nature and because of their parents and because of their friends they allow them to run around with. Boy, I love this kind of preaching. Good job, preacher. Amen. Number two, what else did they do to cause storms in their life? Look at verse number 12. They, they, they took the advice of the majority. They took the advice. Look, go back. You ready? Acts chapter 27. Easy for you to do. Acts chapter 27. Drop down to verse number 12. And because the haven was not commodious to winter to winter in, the more part advised the majority. The more part. The majority. We're in Acts 27, verse 12. To depart from thence, if by any means they might attain to, because winter was coming. They, they, they pulled together all the advice of the majority and said, I think this is what we ought to do. They took a vote. They took a poll. They took a, a, a general consensus of the majority and said, let's sail. And you remember what Paul said? Paul said, I don't think this is a smart thing to do. 
Are you a sailor? No, he wasn't. You been on this coast before? No, probably not. Why would you do this? I talked with the Lord about it. I saw what he'd want. I don't think it's a smart thing to do. But the Bible said they took the advice, if you would, of the more or the majority. We live in an age, while we promote, do live for yourself. Do what you believe is right. Most of us still do the whole, well, most people believe this. Most people believe that. Everybody's doing this. Nobody's doing that. And that's how we tend to make up our mind based upon the majority most of the time. What does everybody else believe today? Yeah, that's what I believe. You know something? It really doesn't have any bearing on me whatsoever. I have God's word and that's all that matters. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my, you ready for this? Not my word. My words. I will be judged according to the words of God. So if I don't have an every words Bible, something's got to be wrong. God said he would preserve his word to every generation. Every generation. So somewhere in this world with two, three hundred different false versions of the real Bible, there's got to be a real Bible out there because God said, I'm holding you, I will judge you according to my word. And what kind of a God would judge me according to his word when there isn't one out there anymore? Well, they're all basically the same. How can you even say that? Because that's what other people have told you. Well, they're all basically the same. Really, what would you do if you wrote a book and published it and I took out or changed 35,000 words in it? Would it basically be the same? I said, preacher, that, that's not right. I wrote that book. I, I put those words in because that's what I thought. And that's what I felt. The New King James Bible has taken out 35 or changed 35,000 words in it. Changes, additions, deletions, something. If there's one verse at all in the, in the, in the uh, NIV, just make sure you don't get an HIV. That's the Hiles-inspired version. Matthew people. The NIV, when Jesus and the disciples came down off the Mount of Transfiguration, they came down there, and there was a boy that was possessed by a demon. And now watch, they just had the most terrific day of their life. I mean, talk about a mountaintop experience. They had one. And they came down the mountain, and before this, they were already healing people and casting out demons and so on and so forth. God already, uh, Jesus had already allowed them to do that. Now they come down the bottom. They couldn't do it. Jesus came down, heard the commotion, said, what's going on? We ask your disciples to cast out a demon out of this boy, and they could not do it. Jesus went right over and did it. Later on, they asked, why, why couldn't you do that? Ready? Ready? In the King James Bible, the NIV is not a Bible. At best, at best, it's a commentary. The King James Bible said, Jesus told Jesus, now they're changing the very words Jesus put in there, if you would. They're all him, but here's what he said. This kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Guess what the NIV left out? Fasting. Why didn't they leave out prayer? You want to get real serious with God? Give up food. Now, most people think that's all there is to fasting. There's, you know, there's five or six different things levels of fasting that you can do at times, food, physical relations, all kinds of stuff, water. When I fast, I normally do without food anyway. But see, the world has got you hooked on. You've got to drink 16 gallons a day to stay healthy, bless your heart. You slosh when you walk. You know that? 
I don't get it. Whatever happens, you go someplace you can't get all the water you want to drink. You'll panic. You'll panic. Oh, what am I supposed to do? You'll break out in hives. You'll threaten everybody. You'll throw yourself on the ground, begin to pout. Is it what? You're getting set up. You just don't understand. There was a diet not long ago where you had to eat six times a day. Six times a day. Now, it's certain portions and just right. And yeah, all of you tried that. And then you tried the just water diet. And then you tried the just carbs diet. Then you tried just the protein diet. And then you just tried. And from the looks of things, none of them are really working. But the experts said, they took the advice of the majority. If God Almighty says don't, I don't care if the whole world says do, you don't. Well, everybody says, I didn't know everybody wrote a Bible. Well, I guess today they are. But Someone told a famous preacher by the name of George Whitfield. They walked up to him and the way that he preached, they said, Mr. Whitfield, seems like the whole world is against you. To which George Whitfield said, then I guess I'm against the whole world. He was not about ready to allow public opinion to change what he already knew was right. When will we as Christians begin to understand the majority is almost always wrong? You want to do right most of your life, what everybody allows, go the other way. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Heaven's angels beckon me to heaven's lofty shore. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. If you're settling in and this world isn't too bad for you, several things. Number one, either you're not saved or you're saved. You're not living for the Lord because if you were, you'd be getting attacked all the time. Do you realize the majority of believers believe abortion is okay? Don't look at me. Yeah, but what about incest and rape? You can tell me 70 million babies aborted was because of incest and rape? I'm not trying to be hurtful to you that did. You're a born-again Christian. You didn't know any better at the time. God said, I will forget. That's it. But don't keep promoting this because you're trying to make reason on why you did. That's like me trying to make reason on why I used to take drugs. I don't have to make reason for that. It's wrong, I don't do it. Don't let your kids, well, you used to smoke and why can't I? I used to and it was wrong and you're not going to. Ta-da. Parents, when you quit trying to be their best friend, start being mom and dad again. If you can be mom and dad and be friend, fine. Most people can't do that. And so we are listening to the experts. You see, most, most believers believe in premarital sex. By the way, living together doesn't mean you're married. It's called adultery. It's wrong. It's sinful. But a lot of people, well, you know, they kind of really like each other. Well, they're kind of like they're married. That's like I'm kind of, I can't think of something. So anyway, financial debt is okay. Some, that's what I tell you. Some financial debt is good for you. Keeps your scores up. You do everything by cash. You know what they'll tell you? You got bad credit. They'll tell you. The world is telling you how you're going to use your money and what you're going to do with it. Well, you know, that's what the experts say. I know. That's not what I say. Wow, we get... I can always tell when I'm hitting... You know, when you go to the fair, they used to have these big hammers, and you'd hit this thing like that and, and drive that weight all the way up. Ding! You know, like that. 
That's all I hear this morning. Ding, 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 ding. You're welcome. You know a lot of Christians believe that sociable drinking is okay. I just want to see if it works. I don't care if you're Italian or not. Either you spaghetti with some wine. I don't care. By the way, all of you that grew up in the ghetto, yeah, whiskey's not wine by a long shot. Even if it's okay to drink wine, it's not. Whiskey's not wine. Beer's not wine. So just skip that whole argument, okay? It's against the Bible. Also, how about no prayer in school? Liberal Christians. Well, you know, it offends some people. So we don't believe that anymore. A lot of Christians don't believe that anymore. Sodomy and lesbianism is okay. They're, they're, a lot of them are really nice people. I'm sorry. What does not, okay, I'm real good to my neighbors, but I just shot them all. You know, I can't believe he's a real nice guy. So that, does that make it okay? You're not answering. Does it make it okay if I kill people and I'm a nice guy at it? Oh, so there is a limit to your yielding to what the world believes. Folks, listen to me. You just keep walking down this path. You're walking right into a storm. No disciplining of children, and the book called the Bible will not work. A lot of Christians, don't, they, they believe that. It won't work anymore. Do you realize the majority does not believe in soul winning anymore? They do not believe that there's only one book called the Bible. God's. Most Christians don't believe in eternal security anymore. They absolutely do not believe in separation from worldliness and sin. We have decided as long as I'm not hurting anybody, it must be okay. I think that's great. I love that. I, matter of fact, I'm all for it. Can you show me that in the Bible? I am all for your weird philosophy and belief. If you can show me in the Bible, I'll start preaching it next week. Maybe tonight if I can get a message down for you. Do you know why I'm not worried about that? That's not Bible. I am supposed to do thy will, O oh Lord. This is what I'm supposed to be doing right here. So you, do you understand there's a lot of people do not believe that the local church is the body of Christ. Somehow we believe there's this invisible worldwide. Really? Where do you send your invisible tithe? Or the invisible visitors you bring? How come when you need something tangible, you go to a local building called the church and ask them for help? I've had people call up here and say, can you help me out? I'm, I'm behind on some of my bills and groceries. And I'll say, ma'am, can I ask you where you go to church? I don't believe in organized religion. You just called a local organized religion asking for help. Call your invisible belief. Do you know why? They don't have any invisible food for you and no invisible funds for your bills. And by the way, we don't either, so don't, don't think about calling. So there you go. The Bible said, do not follow a multitude to do evil. The Bible's very clear on it. How did I get into this storm? Number one, taking, taking wrong advice from the so-called experts. Number two, taking advice from the majority instead of God's man. Number three, take wrong advice based upon circumstances. This is, this is overwhelming to me. I'm, I'm going to poke fun at a lot of stuff right now. Acts chapter 27, verse 13. Taking advice based upon circumstances. 
Watch what it says, verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, well, that sounds good, supposing they have obtained their purpose, there's evidence right there, loosing from thence they sailed close by Crete. Huh, verse 14. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurakalos. That is a bad storm. That's what that is. It's truly amazing how many born-again children of God decide what is God's will based upon the circumstances more than by what God's word says. Example. Preacher, I thought God wanted me to move. You won't believe this. I was driving down the road and saw this billboard that says, come to Hawaii. Preacher, I'll be moving. That was, that, that, that was it? That's God's will? That's how you figured this out? First of all, you wanted to. So basically, God did what you wanted him to do. And that's God's will. Example, Pastor, I was praying to marry a girl by the name of Susan. I wasn't sure if I should or not. You won't believe this. I was driving down the road listening to the radio. Preacher, I know you're not going to believe this. If this is not of God, I don't know what is. There is a song came on the radio about a girl named Sue. Can you believe that? Preacher, if that's not God's will, I don't know what is. Is that how we determine what God's will is? Many Christians make decisions based upon circumstances. Job closes down. I think God's telling me I need to move. Can't get along and follow the preacher. God's leading me to another church. We better quit blaming God for a lot of stuff. Pastor, I know it's God's will. Everything fell into place just like I told God it needed to. God, if this works out and that works out and this doesn't go on and, and they, these people are for it. So you're telling God why you'd go that direction if he makes it work out. All the circumstances lined up and you said, look what God did. So you told God what was best and then blamed him. And then if it doesn't work, what do you do? I thought this is what God, you thought this is what God wanted? Example, Jonah, if we had to judge God's will according to the circumstances in Jonah's life. Can't you hear him? Watch all the positive input here. Ready? I'm going to Tarshish instead of Nineveh. Now here he goes putting out circumstances, if you would. If there's a boat going that way, when I get to the docks, I'll know it's God's will. You won't believe this. There was a boat at the dock. That's What's that docks? Boats. Number two, if that boat still has an empty seat, you won't believe. You won't believe. There was an empty seat on that boat. And if there's a ticket available and I can afford it, that is God's will that I go to Tarshish. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? All the circumstances fell into place. You see, there was a boat that was there and it still had a seat empty. When he got there, it's like God designed it that way. It's like God said, see, what you wanted, there it is. There's your proof in the circumstances. This is what we tend to do. If they had a ticket, they did. They had a ticket. You won't believe this. I, I wouldn't believe you told me. I could afford the ticket they were offering on that seat, on that boat, going in the direction I really wanted to go to begin with. 
praise the Lord, if that's not God's will, I don't know what is. Circumstances. Circumstances would dictate it's God's will. Boat? Seat? Can afford it? Going in the direction I was going anyway. The problem with this was, was Jonah in God's will? Hold on, hold on. All the circumstances said yes. There's your proof. No. Here's your proof. God had already told Jonah, go that direction. I don't care what the circumstances over here seem to say. God's, okay, it's like a girl uh, coming home to mom and dad. Oh, I met this wonderful Catholic, I'm sorry, this church kid uh, at, at school. And uh, oh, mom, he's such a nice. When did you meet him? Oh, since the beginning of the year. Never said a word to you. And uh, we have so much in common. And where does he go to church? Well, he's a Catholic. But he, but he said he's going to change one of these days if we ever get married. Mom, you'll really like him. He's very polite. That sounds Christianity. That's a circumstance. The Bible says, God's word says, look at me. God said, light and darkness shall not dwell together. Christianity and unbelievers never. Whether it's in business, I'm not saying work for someone. I'm talking about going together, yoking up together to build a business. It's against the Bible. One of you is going to be pulling all the weight. One of you is going to be trying to hold standard, and the other one is not. God said, don't. That's like the devil and Jesus getting along so everybody will love each other. God said, never going to happen. Lord knows humanity is trying to push this for all they're worth, but it's not going to happen. God's word had already told Jonah what to do, where to go, and what he wanted him to do, but he did not do that. But all the circumstances, circumstances are so subjective. You ever notice that? Recently, I was talking to someone, and, and they basically said this. They said, uh, well, if it's not God's will, why don't you just say so? I have several times. They immediately begin to say, then why did this work out and why did that work out and why did this work out? You know what I said? I understand. I'm not wrestling you into doing God's will. I will tell you what I believe the Bible says and you have a decision to make on that. God does not lead us and guide us by such frivolous, subjective, confusing things as circumstances. God gives us such things to guide us and lead us as, ready, Bible commandments, Bible principles, Bible examples. Even some Christians, your example is wrong. Uh, I tell people, this is how I got saved, this is the way I felt, uh, this is what happened to me that night. I said, listen to me. The salvation part is Bible. Other than that, it was just me. That's just the way I felt, the way I looked at it, what happened to me. That's, that doesn't mean it's Bible. If it is, every one of you need to come running to the altar crying, saying, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. That's not Bible. That's what I did. I got saved the same way you did or I'm not saved. But the way I came to Christ, what, how my life had to be, that's not necessarily Bible. Do you, do you understand? Don't take your personal life and try to convince everybody this is what will happen to you. Just recently somebody came to me and said, why, why doesn't this person feel about Christianity the way I do? I said, first of all, Christianity is not based on feelings. <coughs> based on facts and, and a lot of other things. We get ourselves into unnecessary storms when we get outside God's word and start basing our decisions based upon circumstances. Now, I don't know God's personal will for anybody. 
I can give you guidelines and principles to make good godly decisions. I may be able to show you illustrations and stories in here, what these people did and how that worked or didn't work. That's not an option. This is God trying to tell you, this is the way I work. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. It's not a, well, God's given his opinion. <laughs> no, God's telling you what he wants. you some tendencies we tend to follow. Now you say, preacher, what's this got to do with anything? It's got everything to do with it. I can always tell when I hit on things that people are sliding from or giving into. Marriage, relationships, living together, money, children. I guess the only thing I'm supposed to preach on is murder. Robbing banks, right? Uh, homosexual, I'm not sure about that one. So preacher, why do you say things like that? I'm not allowed to preach on divorce. I'm not allowed to preach on homosexuality. I'm not allowed to preach on you have a difference of opinion. I'm not allowed to preach on anything anymore. What do you want? Why don't you preach the gospel? I'm sorry, that's for lost people out in the world. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation, take in all the world and preach the gospel. This book is for God's children to tell you what your father wants you to do and not do, how to please him, and how your life may not please him. That's what this book is for. So we, we let me give you some tendencies here. Look in verse number 15. Verse number 15. Is that me? Chapter 27, verse number 15. And when the ship was caught in the storm, it's caught in the storm, and could not bear into the wind, it, it was getting out of control, we let her drive. We take the fatalist view. We're so quick to throw up our hands and call it quits. Is it, is, am I having a battery problem again? Did you change batteries? You did? What, what is that? Somebody got that? Got that? You don't know? My magnetic personality is working. The ship's caught up. Can't bear any longer. You know what they said? Why try it? Let it drive. This way a lot of Christians do. Just let it go and see what happens. So we just gave in to what's going on in our life and we'll say, well, preacher, what, what do you want me to do now? If God wants to stop it, he'll stop it. And if he doesn't, he won't. So what am I going to do about it? Fatalist attitude. We get ourselves into a storm, then can't seem to get ourselves out of it, then blame God because he didn't make it work out. Watch this. Ready? This is what you think you have. Come on, genie God. Do perform for me now. I, I have some wishes I want. And when it doesn't, it doesn't work. We have a tendency to give in to storms. We blame God, we give in to the storms, and then we tell him it's his fault. Christian, think about the last time you ran into a big problem. Did you not start questioning God of why he doesn't perform? If God has all power, why doesn't he he didn't get you in that storm. He didn't tell you to do that. More than likely, if you're at the Anchor Baptist Church, he probably told you to do something different, and you didn't do it anyway. Then you turn right around and go, Preacher, I got myself in a mess. Okay, hold on, hold on. Jesus didn't leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'll do everything I can to help you. But if you think I'm going to make you do what's right, God himself won't do it. So what do you want? Number two, we start discarding important cargo we have always relied on. Go down to verse number 18 and 19 of that same chapter. 
and we being exceeding tossed with the tempest. They're in, they're in the middle of the storm, buddy. It's bad. The next day they lightened the ship. This is what they were all in here. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Times are changing. I'm assuming you don't need a preacher to tell you that. I'm talking about in churches, among God's people. The world's going to do what the world does. God's people supposed to do what God says to do. They're changing. We're disobeying God's word. We're not listening to God's man. And we're getting ourselves into storms. And a lot of younger Christians don't even realize what they're heading into. And instead of relying, instead of relying upon what has safely brought you this far, we start throwing things overboard. Self-preservation. Maybe it's the cargo we have carried with us all along the way. What we've always depended upon to survive and get us through. Trusting that God would be with us. Now we're throwing it overboard. Because this is a bad storm. Rockland is the worst storm you'll find in the Bible. We start throwing overboard separation from works churches. You're not saved by works. Works does not add to your salvation. Never will. You said, preacher, why are you trying to live so good? Because I am going to heaven not to get me to heaven. A lot of churches starting to do that. As I said before, King James Bible, soul winning. We start throwing it overboard. Why? What? Look, our crowd is going down. We've got to survive. Look, right now our church is in, is, is in a fix financially. And look what I'm preaching on. I'm not trying to drive people off. I'm trying to solidify a bunch of people that said, if God be for us, who can be against us? That doesn't mean everything will go your way. You still may have to be thrown in the fiery furnace, but bless God, he'll be there with you in a burning, fiery furnace. They believed God and still went in. Look at me. They went, in, they went into a burning, fiery furnace trusting God. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. He said, well, maybe they weren't hungry. But right after they got out, all of those who accused Daniel, they threw him in, and the Bible said that every bone in their body was broke before it hit the ground. They were hungry. They didn't eat Daniel because he was all backbone. Not kidding, I don't know. Now, old-fashioned preaching. We don't like old-fashioned. Preaching makes me feel guilty. I've done something wrong. You know why? Because you're guilty and done something wrong. If you're doing what's right, why would you feel guilty? Whether I'm yelling like this or nothing I'm doing. What's that got to do with you not obeying God's word or feeling guilty? Guess what gets blamed? My attitude and how loud I am. Does a guy have to yell all the time? I'm seriously, does he have to yell? What's that all about? You know, I can see some of you pussyfooters. Here's what you do all the time. Your house is on fire and your children are inside and you go like this, honey. The house is on fire, please. Daddy doesn't want to get too excited, but you need to exit the building by either door A or door B, and even in Latin, it means door A or door B. In Greek, it still means, sweetheart, door A. I don't want to get too excited now. I don't want to raise my voice. That's not what you would be doing. Hey, get out! It's on fire, honey, get out of the building! You would not blame him for doing that. 
people are dying and going to hell. God's people are throwing up the white flag, calling it quit. And the only thing you can come up with is the preacher's too loud for your sensitive ears. Then turn off your honky-tonk music. Turn off your rap music. Turn off all that jazz and all that garbage you listen to. And listen to a preacher tell you how to make it through the storm. These TV preachers and these radio, they're ruining people. Absolutely ruin them. You think that's the normal. No, that's the modern way. Sounds like you all went to the same speech school. You ever notice that? I don't know if it's that doctor or this one. It's that doctor. No, it's just different. Well, he sounds like that guy over there. And then you run into guys like me. I'm not trying to be different to be different. I'm burping. No, I'm just telling you. I'm almost done. You won't believe this. Number three. We start believing all hope is gone. Preacher, why keep trying? Tell me seriously, why why even try? I can't do anything right. Get your thumb out of your mouth. Acts chapter 27, look at verse number 20. 27 verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars or many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. How you doing, my friend? I suppose this is as good as it's going to get. But don't take this wrong. You know why I've prayed some people? You whine constantly about everything. You live in America. You go to the Anchor Baptist Church. You're starting to obey the Lord. Things are beginning to turn around with you. And all of a sudden, you run into a problem or two. And it's like, oh, preacher, I just don't, I just don't get it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Especially men. Men, I won't tell women this, but I'll tell men this, okay? Get your thumb out of your mouth. Quit, quit rubbing your tears with your, with your, with your collar. <laughs> get your baby blankie. Whatever happened to men? Seriously. Ladies, look, we've, we've had girls go from our high school. I'm talking about gorgeous girls, love the Lord, know how to dress, know how to act, know how to win people to Christ. Go off to a college where there are two or 3,000 guys and not a one of them had a date. When they come back, I said, is Abigail in here? Where's Abigail? She's in the nursery. And I said, Abigail, what is wrong with those guys up there? Preacher, they're all like boys. They're like little boys. All they want to do is play games, run around, giggle, and shove each other down the hallway. Now, a man's not a guy who can pick up this pulpit, which is rather heavy, and throw it to the back. That's not all there is to manhood. Preacher, you want me to pick that up for you? No, I got a forklift over here. I'll get that for you. We start believing all hope is gone. Yep. By your example, I'll bet people will want to come to Jesus from you. Sir, is that what you do when you're at work? Hey, how's this weekend? I'm telling you, it was tough. I, 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 here's what I think. Here's what I think. I might be wrong in this, but... I think you think you're still at home talking to your mama and wanting her to pat you on the back and say, honey, mommy still loves you. Because most of us grew up with one parent. And that's not Bible. And I wish that weren't true. But we are lacking manhood in our life. A lot of us are. Look, just because you can fist fight doesn't make you a man. A man is a balanced I know how to 
treat a lady, and I know how to be tender, and I know how to talk with people. And over here, I know how to work hard. I know how to put up with some things I don't like and some things that are just right to do, and I know how to bring those two in balance. It's a balanced life. So, with that kind of influence and excitement that some people tend to have, the faith, the hope, the trust that you exhibit in your life, you'll probably impact a lot of people for Jesus. Amen. No, you probably won't. Let me give you several things. I'm almost done here. Ready? I keep saying that and I keep meaning it. The preacher ever going to stop on time? First of all, I didn't read in the Bible where there was a time. I didn't know we came to church to hurry and get out of church. And I've got one service to teach you the whole Bible. And I am going to do my dead level best to do exactly that. Look at verse 21. Let me give you some things that can help deliver you from the storms you get you into and how to not go back in the pit. Number one. Look at verse 21. Verse 27, 21. You there? And after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to gain this harm and this loss. Paul says something, as I said before, every, I don't know how often I'm going to say this. You come to my office, you ask for counsel. Why? I don't know sometimes. I think what you're looking for is confirmation and agreement. Just because I'm a man, sir, I will not agree with you. You're wrong. I don't care if your wife and all your kids are sitting right there. You're wrong. I don't agree with a man because he's a man. So ladies, if they come in there and go, well, he'll agree with you. He's a man. What's he supposed to do? No, I'm a man of God. This is what I'm supposed to do. Understand? So you come there and we, we go through all this kind of stuff. And I warn you and I tell you and I give you reasons why. And you go right on anyway. You have a will. Yeah, you do. You can, you can do what you want. But then when everything begins to fall apart, you didn't listen. You say, preacher, now look what happened. I understand. I understand why that happened. I'm not a prophet. I, I'm not the son of a prophet. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have word of knowledge. I have the words of knowledge. I don't know the future any better than anybody else. And neither does your woman preacher or wherever she's at. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm not a male chauvinist. I'm a Christian. I am a man. There is no way in the world I'm going to sit and congregate and let some woman tell me what I should and shouldn't do. You, you, you want me to say that again? You want me to say it again? Okay, I'm not saying it for those of you that disagree with me. I'm saying it to those who need to learn better. My wife's sitting right there. Some of you, you, there is no way, you'd rather die than make that kind of statement out in the open with your wife in the congregation. You won't amen now because she keeps elbowing you in the ribs. Don't you dare agree with him. You don't, we don't do that in our head. You better not. You come tonight, bandages all around your cracked ribs. I'm not making light of it. I'm just telling you, this, this is part of the problem that we're running into. We won't listen to God's word and God's man that God gave you. Paul tried to tell them, but they won't listen. Number two, learn to rejoice over life and quit crying about lost causes. We all lose some stuff in this life. Probably one of the biggest things that we suffer through, we give everything. I can't tell you how many adult parents have asked me this. 
you thought you did everything you possibly could to raise your kids right. You had a great home separated from the world. I mean, you did everything. Some things even God didn't tell you to do. You thought, man, this is just too good to be true. As soon as they got out in the world, they were very hurtful, very painful. Very, you start questioning yourself, what did I do wrong? Mom and dad, your children, once they leave the house and even growing up, they have a will. God gave it to them. They're not robots, and you cannot live their Christian life for them when they're at home. Yes? It's very scary. And a lot of parents doing everything they possibly knew was right to do, their children are not embracing it. The first thing we question is, what did we do wrong? Well, I'd have to live in your home 24 hours a day to find out something. I can't do that. But now that your children are older and out in the world, God holds them responsible. Now they have it within their means to do right and wrong. And they continue on to do what they think they want to do. Then they, their mom and dad don't want them to come to Christ. And it gets quiet again. Learn to rejoice. I'm not going to read this, but down to verse number 29. We need to read this. Go down to verse number 29. Verse number 29, same chapter. Ready? Uh, 29. Yeah, 29. Okay, there we go. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon the rocks. The storm was getting so bad, they, they just let her drive, and it was going straight towards the rocks. Actually, it ran into the rocks, got stuck. The wind was so bad. You ready for this? It ripped the boat in half. That's a bad storm. Watch what happens. Fearing lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boats into the sea under color of as though they would have cast the They were faking like they were putting in the anchors and they were lowering boats. They're getting ready to jump ship. They're getting ready to take off because of the problems that they were facing. So what happens here is simply this. Maybe God, look, folks, everybody in here, everybody in here, I'm looking at faces all over this church that have started serving the Lord and lost very valuable things to the Lord. Some needed to go. Others are because of storms and something happened and it's out there in the ocean somewhere. God didn't leave you. God does not hate you. God did not say, hey, you're on your own. You're not. But he did tell you, stay in the ship. He did tell you that. He said, stay in the ship. You tell me what's one of the first things Christians do when they get in storms over their head, they stop going to church. Somehow, you think by leaving the ship, you're going to make it a whole lot better being in a rowboat out on the ocean somewhere. You're not going to make it. God had already told Paul, I want you to look if you would please, go down to verse number 31. Verse 31. And Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. you got to stay in the ship. You have to stay where God puts you. Ocean is not a place for people. Sharks are there. I'm not fond of sharks. 
I saw a movie called Jaws. I don't know why. I can't get it out of my head. I had a dream not long ago about sharks. I died. They ate me. Scary. I don't like why. I don't. I, I used to. I've swam in the South China Sea. I've swam in the ocean. I. I swam. Don't like the water anymore. Isn't that weird? Now I'd rather fly jump out of a plane. Because I have. It's, it's a lot of fun. But I don't know why that is. I have this fear. Why in the world would I want to leave a ship because it's ran into a bad storm to go into a little rowboat in the same bad storm? paying attention, but does that make sense? Okay, I'll tell you what, let's the four of us jump into a rowboat in the middle of Eurocladon when this big ship is having trouble, we'll leave them, we'll do better on our own. Is this not what Christians say? That's what we tend to do, but look at verse 44. God kept his word, by the way, look at verse 44. And the rest, some on board, some on broken pieces of the ship, Ready, ready? And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. They stayed on board. They stayed where God put them. You need to believe and start trusting God once again. You may still have to go through storms. Just because you trust God doesn't mean storms will never come your way. I don't care if you build upon the rock or you build upon the sand. Storms are coming to both. However, one will be totally destroyed. You have to understand, how did I get in this storm? listening to the so-called experts. You need to turn off that radio broadcast. You need, here's what you do. You hear an advertising about a book. Wow, that sounds interesting. You don't even consider who the author is, where they went to school, what their philosophy is. Are they really saved at all? Please understand, without being born again, they, can't, they do not understand God whatsoever. They're not going to give you God's advice. I don't care if it's about finances or child rearing or, or, or marriage, but you'd rather go to some heathen that because he's got a sheet of paper that says, I'm a doctor of, of, of whatever. Number two, taking the side of the majority. Preacher, nobody believes that way anymore. I used to tell my kids all the time, Daddy, why do we have to dress this way? Nobody does. I said, well, that's not true. You're going to. I love this kind of thing. Okay, so get back upstairs and take off all the Cleopatra makeup. Don't you think this looks nice? How about this or this or this? Or I put tires in my ears. I watched a guy the other day. My goodness, he looked like he had a tractor tire in his ear. Look, I have big ears. I can't imagine putting a tractor tire in my ear. By this age, it's got to be hanging down here. You know, I've seen some of those folks in Africa that do that kind of and they stretch their necks, and, they, and their ears are like that. They got ears like elephants. And Americans, I guess, thought, is that, do we think that's attractive? I'm going to put a hole in my nose, in my lip, in my tongue, in both of my eyes, and the upper parts of my lip. Honey, do you think I'm attractive? You're not supposed to say no. You're supposed to say this. Love what you're doing to your face. When's the last time you fell into a tackle box? I'm not supposed to say, what in the world are you doing? I'm not supposed to say that. And when you do, it's not very kind. So when you shave your hair, ladies, 
and you spike it all up. You want me to say, what are you looking at? You mean to tell me you did that for nobody to look at you? No, you did it for people to stare at you. And I did. And you think because I'm an old white guy, what's the matter with that old guy? I'm in shock. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I, I have, uh, somebody was talking, I was talking about somebody. Anyway, so, um, oh, go build your own church. Now, what do you need to do? Listen to God's word and, and, and God gave you a human leader called a pastor for a reason. Rejoice in life, quit crying over the lost cause. Jesus made one statement in preaching one day and the whole multitude of disciples left him and walked no more. He made one Jesus. Now you think if anybody knew how to teach, it'd be him. He made one statement. And the Bible said that day many of his disciples walked with him no more. Jesus. And we think everybody should love your preaching. Look, I know you got a relative, she's Catholic, or, or she's a charismatic preacher. And you said, I had a lady come in here one time and says, did you used to be charismatic Pentecostal? Pentecostal? I said, no, ma'am. You'd make a great Pentecostal preacher. I said, no, ma'am, I would not. As soon as I start preaching the truth, they get rid of me. Rely on God's presence. Just believe God. looking for circumstantial proof that God's word is true. Sometimes that's there. Most of the time it's not. It's misleading. I do what I do not because it works out right or it doesn't work out right. I do it because that's what God says. We have decided that proof of truth is the outcome. You know, truth is truth no matter what the outcome. Are you saved, by the way? I asked you that earlier, didn't I? I asked you how many of you knew Jesus as Savior. Now I'm going to ask you a different question. Those of you that raised your hand, you raised your hand and said, I'm a Christian. Are you following and living for the Lord? Not with what you don't know or haven't known. What you do know is true. Then you're headed towards a storm. You have some problems you're going to have to face. Jesus is still with you if you're saved. But these are things that you brought on in your own life that you could have avoided. Would not listen. Bow heads, pray. Father, thank you.